Got a great podcast for you guys today. We have Coach Kinsler on the show. Coach Dudley and I interview Coach Kinsler from Northside High School. Northside High School is a 6A school in Georgia and probably one of the most successful high school football programs, one of the most, in the state of Georgia. Coach Kinsler took over. He's been at Northside for most of his career. He took over as a head coach following a legend coach in Conrad Nix. Takes over in 2010, and since 2010, Coach Kinsler has gone 97-21-0. and 0. He has been to the semifinals five times. He has been to the state championship game twice, and he has won the state championship one time. Great coach, a man that I have learned so much from, and a man who I respect so much because of his love uh, for Jesus Christ and making Jesus Christ the reason why he coaches and invests in young men. I know you guys are going to love listening to him. Thank you, Coach Kinsler, for doing the show. And Coach Dudley, thanks for helping me. Talk a little about to the listener out there about your coaching path, how you got started, and why you got involved in, in coaching football. Well, I think I knew when I was playing high school football here at Northside under Coach Conrad Nix, uh, you know, he was my high school football coach. And, you know, just what an outstanding individual. And coaching from probably the time I was a sophomore in high school, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I was surrounded by guys that were great examples. And I just always had this calling and a desire. And a lot of it had to do with, uh, the type of man that, uh, you know, Coach Nix was. You know, I respect my father as the best man I've ever known personally. And then uh, I got Coach Nix right up there. And just, you know, seeing what he did uh, with kids, not just the coaching part, but the main thing was just with kids and how he treated us and just how much I enjoyed playing here and for him. And uh, once I got that bug, you know, I, it never left me. And then when I, I went and played it, uh, I actually played my freshman year of baseball in college. And I just realized that uh, <clears throat> I did really enjoy playing baseball, but my love was football. And I left and went to West Georgia. And I was fortunate enough to play on their uh, 82 championship team with some really great guys that a lot of them are head coaches now. Uh and there was a, a coach on that staff, Chuck Taylor, and he left. Uh, Bobby Pate was our head coach, and Chuck Taylor left and took a high school job. And I spent a couple of years at West Georgia after I uh, graduated as a GA. They asked me to help out, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was able to get exposed to some uh, different ideas. And uh, Chuck Taylor uh, called me up because I had played you know, under him there. As he was the offensive coordinator. And uh, I went to a little place called Harrelson County High School and uh, in Tallapoosa, Georgia. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. but uh, I have not. <laughs> it's, it's right above Carrollton. And I thoroughly enjoyed uh, my time there. And, uh, but I, I, I got that bug early. And I had always been around sports. And you know how it was back in the day. You know, you played football during football, basketball during basketball, and then baseball. It's not like now where they try to funnel kids into one sport. Uh, Kids just went and played whatever was in season. And uh, I was always out there with a ball or whatever it was. I was willing to give it a try. And, uh, you know, I really – God just laid it on my heart that that's something I wanted to do. And – Coach Nix had a lot to do with that. And then, you know, Bobby Pate, Chuck Taylor, uh, Jack Brinkley at West Georgia also. Those are guys that just really helped push me in that direction. Coach, talk about – and then, Coach, I know I'll give Coach Dudley the next question because this leads into that, Coach Dudley. To, Coach, talk about your, your unique story and the fact you've been at Northside the whole time. You bleed Northside Eagles. Um, and you played for your head – I mean, you coached for your head coach when you – you know. But talk about replacing – you became the head coach. You were, you were replacing a legend in Conrad Nix. Talk about that 
you know, you're, you're at your home school, you love Northside and this, this legend leaves and, and then you got to, the standard is to win at Northside. So talk a little bit about that. Well, when I was at Harrelson County, uh, I enjoyed it because they were, I would actually get up in the morning early enough to stop at at least one pond and fish before I had to be at school on time. So, uh, I enjoyed it up there. It's a great country town. And, Stan Ginn was actually the head coach here at Northside. Coach Nix had gone back to Alabama uh, to, I believe, his his alma mater. And uh, Stan Ginn uh, contacted me, who was another legendary coach, and uh, he asked me if I would come down. And, and the opportunity to be able to come back to the Warren Robins area uh, and the Northside, you know, at that time, Northside, uh, was successful, but uh, nothing like it is uh, the last several years. And uh, the great opportunity to come back home, I came back. I was coaching uh, the secondary here and, you know, was uh, being able to come back where my family was and be around Northside. And just I knew how the Northside fan base was and the people here and the all good people. And, you know, it was great to be able to have that opportunity. And I was actually here for about four years when Coach Nix returned. Uh, and coaching under him, uh, uh, I tell you, and, and I'll tell you this, a lot of people look at our program now, and, and, and fortunately, we, we God has blessed us, and we've been in the state playoffs for 26 years or something like that. And But there was a time when Coach Nix first came back when, when he had to really rebuild and get us headed on the path that we're on right now. And I give him all the credit for that. He's the one that built this monster, and I uh, I give him all the credit for that. Uh, but when he came back, uh, you know, just just seeing the way that he goes about his business, you know, uh, his, his first, he taught me a lot about uh, winning. Winning is important, and it is a big deal. But it's a big deal because that means that you're trying to be the best that you can be. And he taught me a lot about relationships and, and uh, with the kids especially. And uh, I think the greatest thing, even going back to when I look at some of my old stuff from my high school papers that he handed out to us when, when I was playing for him, at the top of the list, number one is player salvation. And that was always his main concern. Is, is the kids that played for him, their salvation, that they heard the word about Jesus Christ. And then everything after that was just about building relationships. And, you know, you guys know, because both of y'all have been ultra successful, and you know that it's all about if you don't have those relationships in your program, if that's not your foundation, then you're just spitting into the wind. And uh, he taught me that. And uh, – just so many great things that he did here that he taught about, you know, just the persistence and, and working hard day in and day out. And, you know, not about all the fluff, but it's about the, the quality of the work that you put in. And uh, when he left, it was tough. Uh, uh, and he, he, you know, he built this place and, you know, a lot of people, because a lot of people said, Hey, you know, how are you going to replace him? How are you going to replace him? Well, the answer to that is you don't. Uh, the great thing, and I, and I tell coaches this all the time, uh, especially ones that I hire to do, say, baseball or whatever sport it is, I, I always ask them, do you want to build a season or do you want to build a program? And a lot of times in our profession now, especially with all the recruiting and things that are going on, guys just want that magic bullet to have two or three good seasons. Well, uh, Coach Nix built a program uh, so that you plug in the next group of kids and it was more about the program. And the program is what's successful, not this coach or this kid. And that's one thing that I've tried to do, uh, you know, that Conrad taught me, was make sure he, he, he turned over a program to me. And that that's the difference. It was not just a – uh, you know, I, when I say that, I mean it's a program that he built to be successful, uh, regardless of the working parts. And uh, it was my job to manage it, uh, to to continue to grow it, and to continue to mine it. And uh, because he built a, a program, and that's one thing I, I've tweaked it, and 
you know, I've done a few things here and there, but as you guys know, you don't, you don't fix something that's broke. And uh, over the years, because the way things have changed, we've had to change some too. But the main philosophies of our program have not changed uh, since I took over. Well, since Coach Nick took over all those years ago. Kevin, uh, you and I have been friends for a long time, and, and we both have sons in the coaching business. And I, I do these podcasts with Coach Guess. I try to help him out from an old guy's <laughs> perspective. But uh, – <laughs> I was wondering, you know, you were a longtime assistant for Coach Gann, Coach Nix, and and an integral part of that program. Could you give the young coaches out there a couple of pieces, a couple of things that you did to help Coach Nix out when you were his top assistant? Because we can give him all the credit and all that, but at the same time, you know, you were growing your own coaching career. You were building relationships with kids and being a great coach as an assistant. And I think that gets – I think it gets passed over uh, a lot of times today. Guys want to be the head coach, and they don't understand the value and significance of being that great assistant coach. Uh, let me ask you this, Ed. How many times did you tell your son to really think hard before he got into the coaching profession? I still do every day. I still <laughs> think, you know, he's really smart. He could do a thousand things. But, you know, it's important and it's important to be a good coach and just like that guy that wants to be a missionary in in the jungle somewhere you know we're missionaries every day uh, i'm not a very good one but you know we're out there making contact with players every day we're you know it's it's important to be a coach so you don't make any money but i'm so blessed my oldest son has been coaching with me for a while now and it's it's been a great experience to have him here with me and i've thoroughly enjoyed it and my youngest is about to finish up and at first he was going to school to be an orthopedic uh doctor and he came to me and said dad i'm sorry but uh i don't want you to be upset but i want to be a coach and you know at first my heart sank a little bit but then i realized that you know he's just like that day that I realized that that's all I wanted to do, I think that he he decided that same thing. And it wasn't for me to try to talk him out of it. But, you know, it's an interesting question that you ask about, uh, you know, uh, coaching and, and, and giving advice to young guys today. And, and I, I, I just second what you said about uh, the attitude and the mindset of some of these young guys that come into the profession that think they should be coordinators by the time they're 25 or 26, or they should be head coaches running a big program by the time they're 28 years old. Uh, you know, we came up in a time when you had to start at the bottom and work your way up to the top and you paid your dues. And, and those dues taught you a lot about, you know, not, not uh, X's and O's, but about coaching and about running a program. And I think that gets lost a lot now because guys come out thinking, because, you know, America's real big on titles now. You know, we got to have the, the OC, the DC. Heck, back when I was there, you were just a guy that ran the defense, you know, and everybody's got to throw these titles out. And I think kids coming into the profession now get too caught up in that. And they put their value in the wrong places. They put their value in the title instead of the quality of the work. And uh, I really believe, you know, uh, I tell our guys all the time, man, I was an assistant for all those years. And people say, well, you could have gone on and been a head coach. And I did get coaching offers to go and leave Northside and be a head coach. And I was a defensive coordinator here, and I had a ball. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was about family, you know, God and family to me. All four of my kids graduated from Northside. Uh, they were a part of the Northside family, of the Northside tradition, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I never, I never went out and had these delusions, hey, I got to be a head coach by this age, or I got to be, you know, a coordinator by this age. I just came to work and wanted to be the best I could and look, I'm not I'm not very smart, and I, I think I had to work hard at the things because I, I'm not as smart, and I try to just keep it simple and 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 do those kinds of things, and I try to stay in my lane. But the big thing is I enjoyed being a defensive coordinator for Coach Nix, and and 
when I got those other opportunities, I had to weigh, okay, it, 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 the fact that it's a head coaching job, does that really make it better than the job I've got right now? Uh, the fact that I might make, you know, $300 more a month on my paycheck, does that really make it better than the job I've got right now? And my answer was always no, that I'm loving what I'm doing. I feel like I'm where God wants me to be. And when it's time and God's ready for me to take over, I'll take over. And unfortunately, today, I think we have too many young coaches that miss out on great experiences of growth because they want to get that title in front of their name and they don't get the experiences and they don't get the joy. They talk about it, but it's not, it's not like, it's not developed like it should be. And, you know, and I, I know he won't mind me saying this, but Chad Allegood is a great friend of mine, great Christian coach. And, you know, he's been our offensive coordinator for, for a long time. And, you know, he's had opportunities just like I did. His path is a lot the same of mine. And he kept asking me, Coach, because he was in dilemma. And I said, Coach, <laughs> number one thing is a lot of guys lie to themselves and say, well, this is what God wants when it's really what they want. And I said, the other thing is you better make sure that wherever you are or whatever you're doing, that you love it and that you are happy. And, uh, of course, he, he made a career move. And, and uh, I think he'll even admit to you that it was a little bit more uh, – I think he, he settled for something instead of just being patient and letting God take him down the path that he really, you know, where he wanted him to be. So he got back to, hey, you know, coaches, it's more about being happy and, and those relationships. And, you know, I don't know if any of this, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but so it's so important to me because so many young coaches out there right now are missing out because they're forgetting where they're at right now because they won't take their eyes off what they think they want, you know, the big prize. And they forget about the process of getting there. And they miss out on so many valuable lessons. And just like with God, there's a reason that Jesus Christ did not start his missions, you know, until he was 30. Because he wasn't, that's not, God didn't have him there yet. Does that make sense? And he went through the process until he got there. And, and it's the same way with coaching. You know, I've, I've tried to tell my son, look, enjoy where you're at in your career. Enjoy it. Maximize it and make the best of it right where you are. And when God, when it's time, God will open those doors and he'll make it happen. I promise you, you don't have to force God's hand. He'll make it happen when it's ready, but don't miss out on all the experiences and, and the, and the joy uh, that you need before you get to that point. And uh, I just feel real strongly about that. And every time I hear a young guy say, well, I need to be a head coach by the time I'm 29, I just, you know, I feel bad for them because they just don't understand it. You know, uh, they don't understand the true process of, of getting where they need to be. Um, coach, we love it when you ramble. You, you got so much wisdom, so don't, don't ever uh, worry about how much you're saying because this, all this stuff is really good. There's a proverb. It says that um, I'm not smart enough to remember exactly where it is in Proverbs, but the wise man sets his face towards wisdom, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. I tell myself that every single day. That's what you're saying. Just focus on today and where you're at and do your absolute best and trust God in the process. And the other one is <clears throat> a great example is Moses. At 40 years old, Moses knew that God was going to use him to help the Israelites. But at 40 years old, he did it on his own. And then God sent him into the wilderness for 40 more years. And then God called him at 80 years old to go do what he did. And I think that's a, a lesson that we fail to, to understand in the Bible. Um, rarely does God just call 20-year-olds to, to instant stardom. Um, hey, so, and I tell you, and, and I, my, me personally, I was the coordinator under Coach Nix, who was a great head coach. But I look back sometimes now and I say, well, what if I had taken that job? And I look back on all the memories that I would have missed out on when I was the coordinator on the 06 and 07 team and the, uh, some of those great teams that we had throughout the years. I thoroughly, I mean, I had a ball. 
And I think, what if I had gone and done that, done that? You know, God, you know, enforced the issue instead of waiting until God had his plan worked out. All those great memories and, and, and experiences that I could have missed out on, you know, by just being impatient. And, uh, and the lessons that I learned, because I think all that stuff, help prepare me when coach Nix did finally leave. And, you know, there are, and I, I'm not saying that every kid should wait until they're my age before they try to be a head coach, but they need to really rethink the whole idea of the process. Cause you know, this is not a microwave profession. Uh, it's one where you have to take your time and learn and uh, get the experience as well. Talk about coach your first state championship as a head coach at Northside High School? Because I know that had to be a special year for you, a special experience. Um, you know, you'd, you guys, like you talked about your run there at Northside, I, I know that you had two just years where you guys were phenomenal under Coach Nix. I think maybe you said it was 06 and 07 or some sometime in there. Right. Uh, but then right. you, you become the head coach and you win it as your own. Um, I can't remember the exact year. I know it wasn't as maybe six. Fourteen. Five. 14, 14. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about that, Coach. Well, uh, I had a special group of young men, and, and uh, every year we have a motto that we pray about a lot and just try to have a motto that kind of signifies uh, what the team that we're coaching that year is. And that year it was uh, I am because we are. And uh, we had, some, we had uh, two guys, uh, an offensive lineman and another guy that were kind of bigger prospects and all that stuff. And, you know, I just wanted to we, – we had kids that – most of our kids were just hard-nosed uh, young men that, uh, you know, really cared about each other. One of the things I remember most about those kids, it was my fifth year, and we had been to the state semifinals two years in a row and got – they went 13-1, and 13-1. And, one. and uh and that's kind of tough around here. But uh, this group of kids, uh, from the time we started working out in January, they just, you know, had that special uh, camaraderie and that special relationship about each other. And, and I use the word love a lot because I think that's the – anything we do as Christian coaches has to, and, and as Christian men has to start first with love. I'm talking about Christ's love and real love. Uh, and I think that group just really epitomized kids that cared about each other. They weren't the greatest talented guys, but they, they had a great competitive spirit, but their, their spirit for competition really kind of arose from their, their caring for each other. Uh, you know, we all, I don't care what we're doing, uh, in life. Uh, if you love it and you care about it, you just have a different way of approaching it. And you have a different way of, you know, uh, going about doing it, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, we always relate that to sports. Uh, but in everything that you do, I mean, I, I told our kids yesterday, uh, we had a guy come in and speak and, and he, he did a great job and just told them guys, if, if you don't have a true love and a true passion for it, then don't do it, you know, because, <laughs> Uh, it's not going to turn out well. And that particular group in 2014, they just, it was just a special, magical time. And uh, I think that year uh, we had like 32 kids on the team throughout the season that gave their life to Christ. And uh, just the run we had through the playoffs. And uh, and I, I'll be honest with you, you know, Coach, you, you, you've won more state championships and, and, and you know, than I'm, I think I'll ever win. And, uh, you've done a great job at Eagles Landing, and so you know uh, that we set the state championship as our goal every year because that's the ultimate goal. And I always think that uh, that should be your that should be your goal. Uh, I don't think you know winning a region or having a good year, all that stuff's nice, but the goal is state championship. But what we focus on is the things that will get us there. We don't spend a lot of time saying state chance. We got to be state chance. We focus on the things that already get us there. And that year, it was about caring about each other, telling each other how much you appreciate their effort in practice, how, you know, how much you appreciate making sure we do the little things right. Uh, uh, 
you know, going out and doing those things. And it was a special and they, they just grow, grew closer and closer, uh, as the year went along. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but Tobias Oliver, which I know you guys know he's at Georgia tech now, uh, two days before our first game, our starting quarterback had an appendicitis and Tobias was a 10th grader and he started that game. And of course he never, uh, <laughs> didn't start the rest of his career. And, you know, just that thing kind of set the tone for our team that year where they just pulled together and rallied behind him. Uh, and just they learned so many valuable lessons. When those kids come back, they still talk about – they don't talk about the great coaching job or the great this. They talk about, man, I just enjoyed playing with those guys. That was so much fun competing with those guys. And, uh, and uh, so that – a lot of people say, well, you know, you got your first state championship. You put your mark on this. You put your mark on that. But you guys know, and and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. There's a lot of better coaches out there with me that are good Christian coaches, and they coach their tails off and do it right. And sometimes they go five and five. And, you know, we were just very blessed that we had a group of kids that it worked out for. And, uh, you know, and I, I just look at it, it's the kids' program, and they're the ones that won the championship. And so it, it was Northside, and, uh, you know, I'm just – it'll be a great memory for me, that's for sure. First of probably many, Coach. Hey, uh, I've been around your coaching staff a few times, and you guys seem really tight-knit and together. Seems like there's a lot of staff camaraderie. Are there things that you do to, to foster that and build that on your coaching staff? It, it really has a good family atmosphere. Well, uh, the foundation, I think, of any athletic <clears throat> program is is the, the people that are running it. That's got to be the foundation. And I think that foundation has to start with relationships because my, my, our Christian foundation starts with our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we don't grow that relationship, then the rest is not going to fall in line. And I feel the same way about our program that uh, it had to start with the coaching staff and the relationships that we have, because I truly believe that your team will mirror your, your staff. Uh, if you have a, a staff that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, discontent with each other or has some animosity or, you know, uh, some, uh, you know, the back and forth and thing like that, I think that's going to trickle down and the kids will be the same way because you'll coach that way. But if you have a group of coaches that, you know, the main goal uh, is the same for everybody and uh, the relationships, the one that supports each other. Do, if the things that we preach for our team to do uh, about family and, and loving each other and working hard and all those things, Coaches have to remember, and head coaches have to remember, everything that you're preaching for your kids to do, your staff has to do it first. And if they don't do it and they don't have that love and that consistency together and that uh, caring to be successful together, then it's not going to happen for the kids. And that's what I mean. I, I tell you, I'm so blessed. There's some great staffs out there. And really the best thing that I do here is stay out of the way. Uh, I've got some coaches that, I mean, they do a great job loving the kids. They do a great job on the field. And the consistency, uh, you guys, I, I don't even know how many coaching changes there were this year. I know there was an unusual large amount. But our kids, thankfully, we, ha we haven't had a lot of turnover over the years. And when our kids come in, they know who their linebacker coach is going to be. They know who their, you know, uh, O-line coach is going to be. and and you know, that consistency year in and year out uh, is important for the kids and it's important for our program. And, and uh, it's been a blessing for me as a head coach to have that kind of consistency within our staff, guys that, that uh, know how we do things. And uh, for the kids, you know, right now, uh, and you guys know this too, uh, John, because you've been there at Eagles Landing for a long time as well. And, you know, I think there's times that, if the coaches didn't show up in the weight room, our kids have been so well trained by a, a, a consistent staff that they'd go in there and, and they'd do it themselves. Yeah. Or uh, they know the practice routine. If we didn't get out there, they could go out there and go through the, the, you know, from one station to another. 
and and that's a credit to those guys, the staff, and and uh, uh, I, I I can't. And the thing is, like some Ed you uh, alluded to earlier, uh, people understanding how important what they do is, like that coordinator, that offensive line coach. Hey, you know, like our water cows that we get out at, at practice. I don't have one of the young guys responsible for doing that because the water cows in July, that's a big deal. Would you all agree? Absolutely. So, Agreed. Right. So one of my older guys that I know is going to do it, he's in charge of that. Now, that seems demeaning, but in my mind, it's not demeaning. It's I know it's going to get done because that's a big deal. Yeah. And our coaches, they understand that. And, and you know, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, staying in your lane. Some people are great offensive line coaches. Some people are great, uh, you know, running back coaches. They may not necessarily be great head coaches, but they're really good or as good as anyone at that position. And sometimes because we want it, we want more because we think more is better. We miss out on what we're really, really good at. You know, God, God had a, a plan for a lot of different disciples. And uh, you, you remember when Paul, he sent Paul out, what did Paul say? Well, what's he going to do? And, Paul, and God said, you just worry about what I told you to do. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the thing is, I've got some coaches that are really good at what they do, and a lot of them understand the importance of enjoying and, and being the best that they can be. And something that you, you said uh, earlier about, you know, being great coordinators that now – Everybody wants to – you remember Mickey Andrews at Florida State? Yes, sir. Yep. How many years was he a defensive coordinator down there? You know, was he ever a head coach, you know? But he was, a, he was one of the most respected coordinators uh, and, and, and coaches in the country. And uh, Bud Foster at uh, Virginia Tech, you know, how long has he been the coordinator there? And he's – you know, there's nothing wrong with being as good as you can be where you're at. And I said, I got a bunch of coaches here. And, and look, I got five guys that I think could be head coaches somewhere, uh, and I'm sure they will be eventually. But I'm really blessed that I have the staff that I have. But uh, being a good X's and O's guy is important. But it's even more important is that having those relationships. that, And I think as a head coach, it's important that you foster that staff relationship and, and uh, foster those things uh, just like Christ did with his disciples to foster those relationships with each other uh, because it makes your football team, your football program a lot stronger. <clears throat> Coach, one of the uh, great blessings for me was uh, kind of getting connected with you through the little seven-on-seven seven thing that you do. You guys used to do it June, at, once in June, once in July, and now it's just in June. And I think I think the first time I came down there was in 2010 or 2011, but kind of got connected with you guys and obviously wanted to know what Northside was doing and all those type of things. And one thing I really learned from you over the years, because I certainly overdid seven-on-seven and all-summer activity uh, early in my coaching career, thinking more was better. Uh, But as I talked with you and got to know you more and more, uh, I found out that you didn't do a ton of seven-on-seven. You don't go to these padded football camps, but you guys are there working every single day. You're working your boys. And I've kind of adapted my style to what you do. Um, we do go to uh, probably two more tournaments than you do. But, um, but my everyday approach is kind of copied from you and talking with you. Talk a little bit about that because we live in a time where everybody's going to seven on seven. I think there might be teams that do 15 days of padded football camp in the, in the summer. Talk about your philosophy and your approach. Well, you know, it's interesting, and, and, and look, the way that we do things, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, and there's a lot of guys out there that have structured a program that is, you know, may be a lot better than, than what we have here at Northside, and I'm not here to say that, that the way we do it is the best way. It just works for us, and it's what I know, it's what our coaches know, and it's what our kids know, and 
other people may have ways of doing things because there's a lot of successful programs out there. So let me preface, you know, what I say with that, that uh, what, this is what works for us. My philosophy is we can get so much more done. You know, if you have that staff that you can get a lot of good quality reps in and we're big on reps, you know, uh, I, I think it's just as good to be here and get those reps right here in your own backyard where you can be consistent, you know, uh, going in the weight room. You know, we've only had – we did go uh, – Coach Lasseter, who is a good Christian coach at Blakely, and, you know, he coached here at Northside a while back. He talked to me and talked to me. He's been trying to get me to do it for two years. But I went – we went to Blakely and uh, stayed a day, and it was good. Uh and then he asked me to come back to the next one. I said, no, but, uh, but we did go to that one. So I'm not saying that they're bad. Uh, but what we try to do is just, uh, during the summer is we, I just feel like we get so much more done in our routine. We, we lift weights, uh, and then we go out on the field and we'll have a conditioning time. And sometimes we'll do the conditioning, go into the weight room and then go out and we'll have our individual time with the coaches. And then, uh, however we want to structure it, whatever your needs are, uh, whether you want to do crossover stuff or whatever, but you can do it right there. And uh, I guess my thoughts are, I'm, I'm not, I know these, there's some guys that have figured out how to do it, but when, when you use so many times to go to padded camps every week, I wonder when do you get that field time to teach them the, the, the you know, their positions and mechanics. If you're, if they're always scrimmaging somebody, or if they're always seven on seven, you know, you coach on the run during those things, but it's not the same as having those individual periods every, every day, you know, where you're coaching them up on those things, you know, you can seven on seven against each other and do those things. And, you know, uh, you know, we can get a lot more consistent work done uh, right here. And, uh, that's, you know, I just think about, you know, I talked to a coach who, you know, had gone to a lot of padded camps and, and I'm sure it made his team better. They hadn't been in the weight room uh, all summer long, but that's, that works for them. Then that's fine. But for me, I think you can teach a lot of, to your kids in the weight room about tempo and about work and about, you know, those kind of things and then carry it out on the field as well. And that's kind of what works for us. And, uh, uh, and, and, you know, you get caught up in things sometimes you don't want to, but in the seven-on-seven, seven, you've been to ours. We don't use the scoreboard, and you know it's all about just reps, reps, reps. And, uh, uh, unfortunately, you get caught up in, in the tournament stuff, and you do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. And uh, for us, it just works. We do the we do this, the, the field work. We get as much field work as, as they can. and uh, and, and, you know, it, it allows me to have my guys here with guys that I know that can really coach them up and to get those reps consistently so that when the season does actually start, I feel like, you know, they've gotten a lot of reps and in individuals, group time, uh, and buddy drills. We call buddy drills for like when the O-line, D-line work together, and you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, those are things that I think that you don't do when you're at a padded camp and – you know, you see four different offenses in one day and you're not sure, you know, you really haven't coached up how to play that. And I wonder how many, to me, uh, because I, I, I can't figure it out is, you know, how you, cause I'm, I, you guys might, I don't know, like when we played in them down to where you had to get ready, you had to get reps to stop what they do. And that's what I'm all about. And, you know, and that's kind of what I want to spend our time with in the summer is, is getting those quality reps out on the field. And ours is sort of a culmination, starting with our workout program in January. Uh, we go all the way through, and then we have what we call a perfect sprint session where uh, we start off the first day of summer workouts. They have to do one perfect sprint. And that's right now we got 97 guys, and they all have to do it. Uh, exactly perfect and the first day of uh, summer workouts uh, it took them 13 sprints to get one perfect and then the the next Thursday we did uh, per two perfect sprints and I think it took them uh, 11 to get two perfect ones but then yesterday uh, they had eight uh, 
and it only took them uh, 10 to get eight perfect ones. So there's a process there. And those are things that, you know, some things that I, that we use to teach our kids things that I don't know that I haven't figured out how to do all the seven on seven stuff and, and do those things at the same time. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, I just feel like here at our place, we're able to get more quality reps with our practices and, and the seven on seven or individual work. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, we have our big seven on seven day, but it's all about just reps, reps, reps. And that's the only one that we do uh, because that kind of works for us. But I certainly, you know, would not disparage what the other people do uh, in theirs. And, you guys always come down and whip us in that uh, seven on seven. <laughs> Kevin, we um, we're getting a little close on time, but I just wanted to throw out there a big thank you uh, from not just Jonathan and I, but from everybody that you've helped along the way. And you've always been an open book and, and a phone call away for me, and I appreciate that. Um, and I do. I, I've taken a page full of notes, and and if nothing else. Uh, I love the philosophy of there are just a lot of different ways to skin a cat. Everybody's got their own style, and and I think that Northside Eagle style is is an exciting brand of football, great to watch, and you, you guys have built a tremendous value-based uh, program there at Northside that everybody can be envious of. And we just appreciate you, buddy. Well, I, I appreciate y'all, and I appreciate what you're doing here with this podcast, and uh, you know, just the. Uh, uh, what it means, and it's going to mean something to a, a young Christian coach out there to hear some of the things I listened to, a couple of them, and I know there's some great things out there, great advice from some really, really accomplished guys. Yeah, Coach. Um, yeah, we are close on time, and I was going to ask you one other question, but it's it's really not pertinent, and I can we can talk about that later. I, I do, you know, I just want you to, this this last question. I wrote it down. You talked about earlier. Um, Maybe you change a little bit defensively, tweak this, tweak that, a little bit offensively, tweak this, tweak that. But you said your main philosophies have not changed over time. Just as we end, what are those main philosophies uh, for the Northside Eagles and Coach Kinsler? Well, you know, we've talked about some other things. Nowadays, the, the thing that, that kills kids the most and kills programs the most, there are so many distractions out there in society right now, especially pulling kids away from what we're trying to teach them. Uh, and I, I don't want to be negative at all, but, you know, in our day, football was one of the greatest teachers of life lessons. And now... I'm afraid that we've gotten away from some of that because of all the outside influences. You know, all the the crap going on in our society right now. We got to be careful that we don't let it into our program, and we got to be careful as coaches that we don't disrespect each other's programs by hurting each other, doing things. You know, all the transferring and recruiting and crap like that going on. I think it's really important that us as, as coaches. We need to respect our profession and respect the programs that each of us are trying to build and the kids that we work with each and every day. And we need to get back to teaching life lessons in football and teaching the lessons or these kids are not going to have a chance. If we let them listen to all the stuff that's going on in society right now, they're not going to make it. And what, what we try to do here is, number one, like I said, you know, uh, our co- you know I'm worried about these kids' salvation. Uh, number two, I want to teach them how to love each other and care enough and love playing football for Northside High School. I think our kids play that hard because they love playing here. Uh, and I think that's important to have that foundation of love and doing the right thing and stay focused on the main thing. If the main thing is the X's and O's out on the field that day or, or your group work or what you're trying to accomplish, then let that be the main thing. If they go home, they get to hear all that crap from the people out there or on TV and all that stuff. You know, if you pay attention to that kind of stuff and you talk to your kids and make that a big deal with your kids, then they're going to make it a big deal. But if you focus and keep your time spent on the things that are important, like being dependable, being accountable, loving your partner enough so that you'll be accountable for him. You know, is my football team better because I'm a part of it? And if it's not, 
then you need to self-evaluate and get where you need to be. You know, keep your focus on developing the kid because it's all about the kid. It always has been, and hopefully it always will be. And as coaches, our philosophy here is make each kid as good as they can be. And just like when we do our perfect sprints, we have 90-something guys out there, and the 14 corner may not pop down as quick as he's supposed to, then we bust it. I do that for a reason, so that young man knows that he's important, that it's not just a first-team guy. And I think that's one thing that I'd like to see us emphasize a little bit more is life lessons that we all got into this profession to teach these kids. And uh, I think that's kind of what our profession is about. If we try to make the kids as good as kids as they can be and then teach them how to be accountable out on the field as well, I think uh, everybody will win a lot of games. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I really appreciate it. Um, we always end with a prayer, and so I'm going to pray for us, and um, we really appreciate you uh, doing this with us, Coach. Thank you all for having me. Yes, sir. Lord, we come before you today. It's going to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. First and foremost, we praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, I thank you for Coach Kinsler and the example he sets for the coaching profession on how to coach with integrity and class. Lord, obviously that is because he is a man who is committed to Jesus Christ and serving you and living for you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to to raise up men uh, and, and young men in the coaching profession who will have a heart that beats to the same beat that Coach Kinsler's does, Lord, and that's to glorify you and all that he does, Lord. We pray for his continued success, Lord, and that he would have him and his football team there at Northside this year, Lord, that you would keep everybody safe, injury-free, and, Lord, that they would maximize their talents and their abilities, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Coach. Amen. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys, for having me. Yes, sir. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color I was dead, now I'm living forever I had failed, but you were my redeemer I've been blessed beyond all measure I was lost, now I'm found by the Father I've been changed from a ruined treasure I've been given a hope and a future I've been blessed beyond all measure I am counting every blessing Counting every blessing Letting go and trusting
Oh, 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 you are good to me. 